With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We've really seen violence become a vote bank issue. There's greater awareness amongst civilians. There's greater awareness amongst all of us. Uh, and also recognition that you cannot work and achieve any other sustainable development goal or any other development goal for that matter if we don't solve the fundamental problem of violence against women because it's a structural barrier to a woman's well-being. We all know that women deal with violence on a daily basis. Even if we think that it doesn't happen to us, we know it happens to someone. I'm Amiya Nagarajan and this is Hear Me Too, a podcast that explores the extent of violence against women in India, urban and rural, and the second and third level effects it has on our society and economy. I'm working in collaboration with UN Women as part of the 16 Days of Activism movement for 2018. Hello, my name is Nishta Satyam. I'm the Deputy Country Rep for UN Women in India that also oversees Bhutan, Maldives and Sri Lanka. Essentially, we work on everything that has to do with furthering the envelope on gender equality and women's rights. The idea of not just the 16 days of activism, but of also UN Women's work, is to send a strong concrete message that there is zero tolerance across spaces to violence against women. And none of that is going to be accepted. Every year, UN Women runs a campaign called 16 Days of Activism. It runs from 25th November, which is the International Day to End Violence Against Women, till 10th December, which is Human Rights Day. Why do they do it? I'll let Nishtha tell you. Essentially, uh, it is a campaign that originated from the ground, from activists themselves, uh, and is a call to the rest of the world to end violence of all forms. Uh, there are this, During the 16 days of activism, not just us, but other actors that believe and share our cause, come together, convene, and collectivize to advocate in a single voice to eliminate violence. Why do activists come together for this campaign year after year? Is violence against women really such a bad problem? Surely, if that many women were being beaten by their husbands, we'd notice it more. One, when we think of violence of women, we think as we think of it as, as something that happens to someone else. We don't even think of it as something that happens to us in our lives, in our communities, in our households. And the principal reason is what has constituted violence for decades. Physical violence, which is visible, tangible, has in itself taken many, many years to make it to the cut of violence and to make it to the cut of business not as not usual. 
But it's also important that when we talk about violence, we're talking about different forms of violence within the household, within communities, within workspaces. And there are different manifestations of what that violence looks like. Particularly, let's talk about emotional violence, right? Women bear the emotional burden of relationships, of households. Women bear work within a framework of control within, within their households. And just to give you a statistic that's mind-boggling, when we did a survey, almost 80% of women said that they had to seek permission from a family member to visit a health center. That framework of control, of how you can spend your money, of how much you can open your purse strings, of how much of that mobile phone can you use, how much of it can you own that asset, how much do you need to do just to visit a health center, is violence. It is not tangible, it doesn't leave you black and blue, but it affects your mental well-being. And until and unless we do not recognize violence with the expanse that it actually occupies and the fact that it is all pervasive and it permeates all kinds of institutions, we will not be able to deal with violence. Gopika Bashi from Oxfam International agrees. So my name is Gopika and I work as a campaigner with Oxfam International on violence against women and girls. Gopika says that the problem is endemic to pretty much everywhere in the world. But India is a particularly bad place for women. So, um, as we all know, violence against women and girls is a global phenomenon. Um, it, it exists regardless of um, wealth of countries. It, it, it exists regardless of, um, you know, social or political context. And, you know, uh, the WHO actually estimates that one in three women in the world have experienced some form of violence, physical or sexual. Um, and actually 30% of that is women within relationships, so intimate partner violence. Um, and this is done, you know, every couple of years, we look at national statistics and look at, you know, what are the reported uh, violence, uh, as well as the unreported forms of violence. So in India specifically, uh, there is also, you know, violence is an epidemic. Uh, violence against women and girls exist because of deep-rooted forms of patriarchy uh, and patriarchal systems. Um, and we often see that, you know, while there may be progressive laws in some countries, not all, uh, there's still a larger context of um, misogyny, of, um, you know, breakdown of legal systems, uh, fear and stigma related to reporting violence. She also told me that one of the reasons we struggle to combat the problem is we don't fully understand what violence actually means. In India, for example, we talk most about sexual violence, rape, assault, and this tends to happen in public spaces, you know, transportation, walking in the fields, and so on and so forth. But if we examine how violence actually works, we'll see that even the kinds that we are most aware of have one connecting thread. They're all acts of power. An upper caste group enacts power on a lower caste group. One religious group enacts power upon another. A man feels that he's entitled to a woman's body, to sex. And from one form of unequal power to another is an easy path. I think, uh, you know, when we think about violence at a very basic level, uh, where does it come from? It comes from, you know, uh, patriarchy, from unequal power relations. And that's really where sort of what we call sort of mental, emotional violence has its roots. 
if you think about wanting something and having it denied just because someone can deny it you can begin to understand the stress and the trauma of being denied access imagine if you wanted to go to the doctor but you just weren't allowed to imagine if you wanted to take your child to the doctor but you weren't allowed to imagine if you never knew how much money you would have to spend on groceries on any given day or any given week Imagine if you didn't know whether you could sleep tonight or whether you'd have to be up listening to ranting and raving and screaming and knowing all the while that you'd still have to wake up in the morning and do all the things you need to do. We see in intimate partner relationships, in marriages, um, forcing women not to have control over money, uh, over resources, um, all of these things restrict women from even having a normal life where they have control over resources where they're able to make independent decisions and you know in many situations we've seen that women haven't been able to live a full life and have been restricted in this way and that is in in a way a form of violence because um you know they're not able to exercise their rights oftentimes we've seen a uh, violence um that women who do go out and you know transgress these norms uh, face violence from their families as well so it's not just related to men alone there is a larger societal structure and certain social norms that govern the way women who transgress these norms actually are treated um and this is of course because again you know unequal gender norms uh patriarchy privilege power these all intersect uh, in a way that sort of put women uh, who face this sort of treatment into very vulnerable situations where they're vulnerable to violence i think when we think about marriage itself um you know let's think about marriage as um a system which is a system that's rooted in patriarchy if we look at marriage rituals and the way marriage is done we do see that it is about sort of a woman entering the home of a male and that somehow uh you know is translated into the fact that you know male you know we've heard this we see this in india male headed homes where control of resources sits with men and so uh you know while we can talk very idealistically about marriage being about equal partnership it really is not because when we look at the world outside uh and money whoever has money has power we live in a you know a system where that is uh very much part of uh you know the norm and so when we think of within marriages uh if if a man were to have money and to control all access to resources it means that women wouldn't have a direct access to even living how do they gain resources within the home how are they able to take choices about the family and in many of these situations if there is a disagreement about what resources need to be spent on uh, then we see that women do end up for facing forms of violence and manipulation so i would say yes it is a continuum and if we see it very much as black and white then we forget and we don't recognize the very deep rooted structures that are behind all of this forms of violence so violence doesn't happen uh, out of context it just doesn't happen that one day a man wakes up and decides to you know beat his wife uh, we have to really understand what are the underpinnings of this before we sort of think about oh only if a man hits a woman then that's a form of violence because that doesn't allow us to explore the deep rooted causes behind it both gopika and nishtha pointed out that we can't just think of violence as being something that happens at home 
it happens in workplaces it happens in public spaces i remember as an 18 year old being terrified of dtc buses because somebody was going to touch me but i had no choice except to take them to get around violence happens online as any woman who's been on twitter or on a dating app knows from unsolicited pics and being called terrible things for saying no i don't want to go out with you to death threats and rape threats because someone doesn't agree with your politics violence especially happens to women on the margins women who carry other identities than their gender with them whose work puts them into complicated spaces for society to understand like sex workers or people who are fleeing natural disasters or who are fleeing violence like you know refugees or people who are caught in spaces of conflict when you come to see that violence takes so many forms and can happen in so many places the statement of how bad the problem is starts to come into focus but i wanted to see what the facts say you know especially about india both nishtha and gopika told me that reporting rates in india are extremely low with something like 90% of violence going unreported to understand what actually does get reported i spoke to prachi salve a data journalist with india spend she told me that according to national crime data from 2016 36 crimes against women were reported every hour in india up from 21 in 2007 and the crime rate has also gone up from 41.7 per 10000 women in 2010 to 55.2 in 2016 with reported cases of crimes against women increasing 83% in that time 83% over 10 years from 2007 to 2016 of course what exactly are crimes against women so crime against women uh, include a lot of uh, things so there's uh, rape is uh, included uh, cruelty by husbands and re- uh, husbands and relatives assault on women with an intent to outrage her modesty is one then there is kidnapping and abduction of women these are some of the uh, crime heads that are included under crime against women so these are crimes specifically uh, under the head of crimes against women so so whatever figures i told you uh, right now are just about the reporting of crime so i i learned this quite early on that uh, in a country like india where uh, a lot of crimes were unreported especially when it comes to women so an increasing uh, reporting in the number of crimes is actually a good thing because uh, that means more women are coming out today and reporting what is happening to them so for example uh, something like cruelty by husband and his relatives is one of the most reported crimes against women with almost like 33% of all cases of crimes against women are uh, fall under this category after this is uh, rape followed by that kid- uh, kidnapping and abduction so it's a good thing that they're coming out and reporting what is happening to them but the one thing that worries us all the time and most of the time if you read all our stories on crimes against women is that even though the cri- reporting rate is increasing the conviction rate is quite low for this 18.9% is the conviction rate of all the cases that are reported so and it's among the lowest in a decade but surely all this violence must really have an effect on how women in india interact with the world women don't want to go out you know as i said they do not want to go work too far from the uh, too far from the city 
we uh, reported on this very interesting study that was uh, conducted by the police foundation of india and they found that uh, 95% of parents husbands relatives start getting worried um, uh, worried in delhi after uh, by 11 pm if the girl is unaccompanied by a male person in the household across the country the numbers weren't uh, encouraging either 83% in ba- bangalore 84% in chennai and 60% in mumbai mm. got worried if their female uh, you know uh, if their daughter or wife was out by 11 and there was no male accompanying her we found that only 22% of women actually travel for work in india uh, according to uh, to this so even more than you know lack of sanitation for most parents the biggest concern is the lack of safety and that is one of the reasons they don't want their daughters or their wives to go out and work especially we did this very interesting uh, study in this colony which uh, which was rehabilitated from the center of delhi towards the ottering uh, what we found was in our investigation found was that most of the women stopped going to work because the work they had was like you know domestic workers it was a low income community so most of them were domestic workers and who would go in and around uh, the colonies uh, around that area when uh, they moved out they did not try to go back and find work because they weren't sure so there was a big impact on the family's income also because of this and one would think that this is only having an impact on just the poorer income groups but yeah. uh, another report by save the children found that uh, even the rich are worried about this 47% of girls in the higher income group in urban areas and 40% of girls in the uh, rural areas uh, from well off families are more susceptible to molestation and abuse in public transport so you know there is uh, and it's also across income groups as well you know ha uh, 53% in higher income groups uh, and obc category also where they also went caste wise and general caste 45% so it's, it's like the fear in the minds of the girls of being molested abused abducted is is uh, is similar throughout yeah, it does has any caste or class barriers in there you know fear is across Prachi told me that studies have found that girls stop going to school after 15 that going to your local public health center is a challenge which is a big problem because why do women go to health centers well to get children immunized to get pregnancy medication and contraceptives all of which are extremely basic but very important things that women need to have access to one study showed that women actually choose worse paid employment opportunities because they don't have to travel far when they work there The problem with work is a really big one. Only 27% of women currently participate in the workforce in India, which is lower than countries like Saudi Arabia. What's worse, almost 20 million women have dropped out of the workforce between 2005 and 2012. Safety is one of those main reasons also. and uh, as i said india ranks somewhere 120th in a ranking of 131 countries mm. on female labor force participation rate clearly it doesn't look good for women in india 
But what does this mean for everyone else? Why should they care about women they don't even know and their troubles? I went in search of an economist to tell me what happens to socio-economic indicators when women have to deal with violence. Uh, my name is Nishit Prakash. I'm an associate professor of economics uh, at the University of Connecticut. I work on uh, issues related to gender gap in education. I also I have uh, actually a couple of work uh, going on on uh, looking at violence against women and from especially from the perspective of uh, policy making. When you think about uh, women's uh, participation in labor force, it's a fairly complex issue, and um, this is the uh, biggest puzzle in the context of India. There can be various reasons for women not participating in the labor force, and as you mentioned, it could be crime, violence against women, it could be violence in or sexual harassment or crime in public sphere or public space. Uh, it could be access to job. <clears throat> I mean, you know, imagine like somebody in rural parts of Bihar, even if she's educated, there they, they might not be enough, enough jobs there. Uh, one can talk about norms and culture around that. So there, there are various reasons. So <clears throat> uh, women's participation in the labor force, uh, it can lead to various direct and indirect effects. And some are like uh, very important direct effects. First of all, if somebody is working, it directly affects uh, her income. Uh, it affects her financial independence, um, and there are research that talks about how it is linked to empowerment. But there are also these uh, very important indirect effects. Uh, assuming, and I think it's a very crucial assumption, that if she has the bargaining power within the household, then it has all these positive impact on children. So, for example, there's a, a couple of papers, including uh, one of very important paper by Esther Duflo. She's an economist at MIT. She talks about how when women have more financial independence or more access to resources, uh, it affects, uh, she's, she's better uh, as compared to, say, the father um, in terms of these positive outcomes, uh, including uh, spending on education, sp uh, spending on health, and so and so. So that's like pretty much like why why it's important to uh, at least uh, make sure that access is not a problem, or uh, make sure that we uh, address certain constraints or certain barriers. Uh, there are different kind of reports looking into what's the impact on growth i think these numbers would vary a lot by country but overall uh, uh, there is a recent world bank report that says that uh, uh, economic growth um, will increase by 1.5 percentage points to nine percent per year if roughly 50 percent of the women join the workforce and these are like pretty aggregate numbers it a lot depend on a lot depends on what these women are doing so for example if you look at the labor force participation of women in india by different caste or different income level you realize that at 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 uh, women who are not so well off or let's say you're talking about poor households uh, you'll have very high uh, high participation of women but the moment you start looking at um, uh, say higher income category you don't see this and i think that's a big puzzle there Everyone I spoke to told me that this is not an Indian problem. The violence is global. But India has its peculiarities, like this decreased participation with increased income trend that Nishit mentioned. I asked him about second-level costs, 
costs that are not as straightforward as fewer women work means fewer women earn money. And it's very costly. I mean, um, uh, there's a new paper uh, on India, uh, in uh, and this is in Delhi University, by Girija Borkar. She just joined uh, World Bank um, as an economist, and she talks about how, how uh, uh, students, uh, female students in Delhi, choose uh, a lower quality colleges to avoid uh, these violence in public space. So, I mean, this is like a direct impact of um, violence in public space on human capital accumulation. But uh, if, uh, so <clears throat> that's like, you know, kind of one important aspect, but more than that, uh, there are uh, serious socioeconomic costs. So uh, there are direct costs uh, in terms of um, uh, medical, police, criminal justice system, uh, social services. There are several non-monetary uh, costs, which I think is uh, very important. Uh, yes, I mean, um, think about uh, different kind of mortality via homicide and suicide. And uh, I don't know how uh, these numbers, because these numbers are severely underreported in most countries. Uh, you can think about you can think about like other economic effects. So. Uh, and again, this goes back to where we started. This affects uh, labor market participation, right? Yeah, so there will be a decreased labor market participation. Uh, productivity might go down. Uh, there is lower earnings. Suppose um, a woman is uh, participating and let's say the husband is uh, upset uh, and he beats the wife. You will have absenteeism and that directly affects earnings. And then uh, it's it's uh, it's often said uh, that this is also linked to I mean I think we all can agree like uh, on on her confidence on her um, and and uh, how how she feels about herself and these things have these long term impact on their children because these are passed from one generation to another so there are these intergenerational effects uh, of violence. And uh, if you want to get into the how it affects like more socially, I mean, you have reduced quality of life, uh, you have erosion of social capital, and it affects the uh, her participation in the democratic process. So there are like I think it's a it's a, a pretty serious consequences of uh, violence against women. To sum up. Violence against women is a really big problem, both in India and the rest of the world, especially when you consider that violence isn't just someone hitting someone. It can take various unexpected and really subtle forms that nevertheless have big consequences. From children not getting medical treatment, to girls staying out of school, to women taking worse jobs or no jobs at all. Now that we have a sense of the size and scope of the problem, we're going to try and slice it in different ways to understand how space and context affect the type of violence, the people who experience it, and the consequences it has. And don't worry, this is not all doom and gloom. We will also find out what's getting better, what's being done, and what can be done to fight this terrible problem. Next week, we look at violence in the home. I'm Amya Nagarajan, and this is Hear Me Too. If you like the show, please do subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to give us feedback, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at Express Podcasts. Or you can even send us an email at podcasts at IndianExpress.com.